Greetings, comrades, near and far. Welcome back to Comradical, a comedy podcast about socialism and you. I'm Johnny Samyavadi, your queer, sad, commie dad, and with me, as always, is my hetero life mate. Haley Rose, that's me. I'm also a leftist, (laughs) as they labeled us back in the day they as as they might say i have read in my ledger um but uh yeah especially now that we uh are are making this podcast and you dear listener uh also do so (laughs) haha we got you um or should I say they got you? But uh, rather than talking about spooky boogeyman of the government right away, why don't we move into today's subject? So we've talked about what socialism is. We've talked about who developed the ideas of socialism. And we've talked about why socialism is seen as a solution by many to the growing discontent of the modern human being under capitalism. So has this or even shadows of this idea happened before? Yes. I mean, there are plenty of people that have fought for socialism in America. And, you know, while there are historically so many people that, like, I could talk about or bring up, from older times, right, I think that we should cover one that we're all familiar with already that, you know, was a pretty big socialist. Um, There's more than one, actually. There's one you do know, but you don't really know. There's one you do kind of know, but you don't really know. And then there's one that you probably don't know much about at all, but they're working on a movie about him right now, and I really want everybody to start looking into who this man is, like, before the movie. It's kind of like reading the book before the movie comes out, you know? And, like, I'm probably going to just be infuriated by the movie, but then again, like, you know, what's coming out these days that doesn't make me angry and sad? Nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. (laughs) Um, so, right. So. So, we are going to go over uh, just a little bit We're not going to go too in-depth because we have, you know, I'm going to try not to say, you know, keep on saying. A little bit amount, a little bit of time. You will know, all right? You will know. You will, you will have known to use the future past participle. (laughs) You will know uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that's the guy right there. That is the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the that's the guy. That's Listen, the guy. Listen, I I live in Atlanta right now and this dude's everywhere around here. There are there are three street names in Atlanta that all the streets are named. Peachtree, Martin Luther King Jr. and Candler. I don't know why Candler, but <laughs> Stop doxing yourself, Haley. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, and uh, the those are the three streets that exist in this in this goddamn city. And um, there's a reason. Because this dude was the dude. We all know him. We all love him. You know, like he was a he was inarguably 
a, a force for good. Yes. In the world. Like, and it's so rare to find that. Like, even fucking Gandhi beat his wife. Like, you know, yeah, it's like... way more than that, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you know, fucking John Lennon beat his wife. Like, all these people, they're... Like, they have some other fucking, you know, skeleton in their closet that pretty much burns them in my book. But here comes the Reverend Doctor just still fucking killing it. Um, and so he's uh, he, he's a good dude. But you're saying to me that... I'm, I'm saying that the, the Reverend Doctor that we are taught in our school systems... The, the the man, you know, whose legacy is blared over the airwaves, uh, you know, is just... <sighs> a fraction of the man and what he truly wanted. Worse. I, I think it's, I think it's, a, I, I think it's disrespectful what, you know, uh, what, what mainstream media has done to his legacy. I, I... Th- well- what they've kind of done in my experience growing up in public school, especially in like a, a predominantly white, you know, school system growing up was, you know, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a, you know, first of all, they oftentimes teach you his like name without his titles, which is just disrespectful. Um, and like, they they shorten his name sort of like how no one said president obama they just said obama um or mister but um not to equate the two but not the same <laughs> not not the same but like they 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 teach it to you as this sort of like and this was the man who ended racism he fixed it now we don't have it anymore and like Wrong. that was gen- generally that the the consensus that was reached is like here it's it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. This is the day we celebrate that no one's racist anymore. Also, and that was like a hard fought battle, and there are people in office to this day, I believe, uh, that like are in office that fought against making it a national holiday. Awesome. We should definitely provide a list of these fools, <laughs> but um, just just so the people know. But like, that's the fucking truth. Is like, this guy was a much more complicated figure, and a lot of what he did has been overlooked because, you know, the the narrative has been taken control by the the people who fucking killed him. Yeah. You know, it's a federal holiday now, and it was the federal government who put him in a position, if not outright, fucking sent the gunman to kill him. And for all of you, uh, you leftists out there... You like, baby-blossoming uh, Bolsheviks. You, you, you baby-blossoming Bolsheviks. Uh, for those of you whose ledger is still red and yet to fade to a... Uh, light pink uh we are not going to go over you know his issues of you know fidelity we're not going to go over his opinions on uh arming yourself or gun rights or anything like that so just you know another issue for another time you know more material to come but uh we're mostly just going to go over uh 
like uh, a lot of like what he had to say in regards to socialism and the argument for socialism and the argument against imperialism. So, so, Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King legacy Jr. assassinated. Yes, assassinated in when was this? Nineteen sixty-three. No, later than that, I believe, no, no. right? 65? Later. Even later. I think it was 68? 69? Let me check. 67? God damn it. Let's see. Making me fucking do this now. He was assassinated in 68. Okay. 68, 68. in March. March of 68. Yes, March of 68. The, okay. But, like, what we were taught in schools, what we are taught in the news, it's a fabrication, a falsification, and an abbreviation of a fully realized noble revolutionary man. Dedicated. Okay. Laid his life literally and figuratively on the line uh, to get his message out to the masses. And that message was... That we need for the, freedom for the and lay person for all. Right. And that's not a fucking thing that, like, you know, it's... the These, you know, uh, civil rights leaders in this time period often get just boxed in to their, you know, race and their whatever. And, like, you're only ever really taught, like, that was what their belief was. You know, as the straw person in this argument, like, you know, growing up, it was like Martin Luther King Jr. fought for black civil rights. And it's like, yes, he was a he was a black man who fought for his rights and the rights of his family and friends and community. But his goal was not just for black people. No, it was for all people. Like he did not want to stop at civil rights. He wanted to continue that fight up until his dying day uh, for, for human rights against poverty, against economic exploitation, against war and militarism. He was a socialist practically all of his life. Right. Generally, his belief was, I mean, like, if you're, here's, here's a fucking hot take. If you're a fucking, like, good person who believes in good morals and, like, that all people should be given a fair shake and, like, equal opportunity to to provide for themselves and their loved ones and their family like you're pretty much already there you're pretty much already a socialist <laughs> that's all the tenets of socialism is i mean like a, a good christian morality is essentially socialism it's like hey you know give more than you have you know like or give more than you take and like work hard to, to benefit yourself and your community and like it's just fucking, it's right there. <laughs> and he was, uh, like, not, not a lot of people know that, like, the, the, the reverend part, he went to school for this. He, he went to Crozier Theological Seminary. That's where he received his Bachelor of Divinity. Which, by the way, I don't even think you can, you can like, take anymore. I don't, I don't think that, like, they even offer those classes at most colleges anymore. And he became aware while re receiving that bachelor's in divinity or bachelor of divinity 
uh, he became aware of anti-fascism and uh, anti-Nazi struggle in Germany. Uh, like, right. You know, from the letter of uh, Birmingham Jail speaking uh, of the like the urgency of now. Like you know, he thought of like there was a lot of people at that time uh, in under like Nazi German rule that sacrificed their lives in some cases uh, against that. A lot of like religious people fought against not the the Nazi Party of Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, Crozer Seminary, for anyone who's interested, is in Pennsylvania. It is. <clears throat> um, so, <clears throat> because at the time, that's where you had to go to 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 study as a as a black man in America, because, uh, you know, quality institutions of higher learning available to black people just didn't fucking exist in the South. Uh, no. And I believe and like, did in many places still don't. <laughs> no, uh, to this day you have New York that's like more segregated than uh, what like Jim Crow era Georgia was, right? Yeah, something like that, where yeah the the gentrification and um, uh, what's it called rent, um, not rent control, but like. It's part of, it's an aspect of gentrification, I forget the term, but it's the idea of, like, raising rent to the point where you, um, you, you out, like, the cost pushes out the, the original residents of an area so that only wealthy people can move in, and then that money goes directly into, like, the renovation and the, the, quote, revitalization of the neighborhood, um, and, yeah, because of that, you know, people of color and, and immigrants and all kinds of folks, you know, that have been living in the same areas of Brooklyn and Queens for years and years and years and years and years and years and years back generations to the fucking like first waves of immigration to the United States have been pushed out because somebody wanted to build a fucking Whole Foods. <laughs> Alright, so like Back to, to Crozier Seminary, right? Back to Crozier Seminary, yes. Back to Crozier Seminary. He did his dissertation on the German anti-fascist and socialist theologian Paul Johannes Tillich. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing the living hell out of that, but the last name is spelled T-I-L-L-I-C-H. And he we was, stand. Uh, and, you know, and he, the other person that he studied was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. B-O-N-H-O-E-F-F-E-R. And Bonhoeffer was executed by the Nazis after attempting to assassinate Hitler. I think that was, like, pretty close to the end of the war, too. We also stand. We also stand Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, you know, and I think, like, through studying these people, uh, that he saw this as way more of, like, a, a, a class conflict, and he was, like, way more aware of class being integral to this uh, fight for civil rights and for, for the rights of all uh, impoverished people, um, and also the fight against in- imperialism, like the, the, the poor people in other countries. Uh, it, I don't know if you've heard me talk about, like, Parenti before, right, but I'm going to quote him a little bit. In these countries like Vietnam, Indonesia, these countries like what's going on down in like Venezuela right now, um, these countries that they're they're not poor, 
right? These aren't poor countries. These are countries that, you know, are rich with resources. These are countries that are under attack and are being exploited for the resources that they have and their people are impoverished due to countries like the United States that have historically exploited them. And the reason why I say that, like, you know, uh, that Obama is nothing like uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is because Martin Luther King Jr. would never sign off on economic embargoes and sanctions on a country like Venezuela. But we'll get to we'll get to uh, you know uh, the, I think the so, hot the hot topic of the time was Vietnam when uh, MLK was uh, was was the, the 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 big guy you know doing his speeches and things Vietnam was the hot doing topic. his thing doing his thing I mean so basically what you're saying is that you know a young Martin Luther King Jr. was <clears throat> the young Reverend Doctor himself was just a like fucking rad as hell antifa like og like hell yeah yeah just like studying the true source material of anti-fascism from like the rise of fascism which was at this point only a few decades old less less this is like you you gotta remember like what he would have been going to college i think in uh what the Fifties? I mean, like the he was uh, he was right. he took part in the Montgomery bus boycott. That thing where you know Rosa Parks was like, nah, I ain't sitting in the back. <laughs> like, um, that was like a three hundred and eighty-ish day bus boycott. And actually, Rosa was like another activist that had been organizing like way before you know the 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 bus incident, the bus thing. Yeah, and everybody just talks about her as though she was just this old fragile lady who no. like didn't want to give up her seat, but she was like a young fucking able-bodied woman who was like, hey, uh, like she was she planned this. This was a planned protest. Yes. She was going to make this happen, and she was a badass and still fucking. Still is about us, still I believe. Is Wait, is she? Yeah, is I don't think she, I don't think she's dead. Oh, okay. God damn. Did she pass? I don't know. Yeah, she died. Okay. Sorry. Um, Rest in peace. Rest in, in power. Oct- yeah. Rest in absolute power. Um, back in 2005. Damn though. 1913 to 2005. Woman was nearly 100 years old, was, and she fought till the day she died. I think I was still getting high, so like, that's why I don't remember. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, he saw class as, like, a really important thing. And he also, like, realized that leadership was not talking down to people, calling people out or or making them, like, he wasn't calling out people. He wasn't talking down to anybody. You know, uh, he saw this as, like, uh, an organic struggle, right, of not just, like, the the political. It wasn't just, like, the politicians that, that were important here. It wasn't just, like, you know what we could get the Supreme Court to sign off on. It was an ideological education of ordinary people because, like I've said before, the Supreme Court, your politicians, your elected representatives, they're always going to be at least 10 years behind where the rest of the population, where the rest of the country uh, is at in terms of, like, well, what we think is, like, acceptable and what we think is okay. I mean, like, look at, like, gay marriage when that was legalized. Honestly, how I want to—you'll never probably be able to get that, but I wonder like what the the actual approval rating for gay marriage was across the entire country, right? Before Mm. it became legalized, 
I mean, like, it was probably, it, it was definitely, like, Game Marriage was definitely in the majority for at least, at least five years prior to it even being put on the table. Right? And people still, like, not It wasn't people. by a wide margin. It, it wasn't by a wide margin, because there's still backlash to of this course. day. But, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, most people were like, listen, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Like generally, generally that's the consensus when it comes to civil rights. Is like I'm, it's not fucking affecting me and my family, so fucking go <laughs> like, ahead. I, I, I don't, don't fucking care if they want to get I divorced five years later. Like, <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's an institution anyway. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, he's, so he's that's uh, yeah. You you go on. No, I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, he was, he, he clearly, he had it out for fucking imperialism. He had it out for fucking class discrimination, uh, as well as race discrimination. He saw them as connected. He genuinely did as a, as a community, you know, leader. Cause you know, as a reverend, he was the, he was the center of his community. Every week people came to see him speak multiple times a week because he was Baptist. So absolutely unparalleled order and like the like that's that's the fucking thing though is like we on the left we don't get that you know what i mean like on the left we don't get these magnificent orders throughout history you see these powerful orders being on the other side you see you know your hitlers and your mussolinis and your francos being described historic being described historically as like these massively you know, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? What's the word? Like, uh, you know, impassioned. Yeah. Charismatic speakers who can like sway an entire audience to their point of view in like a single speech. It is bullshit. No, I think that like we have just as many people that are these impassioned speakers that are able to deliver a revolutionary message that speaks of equality for all, liberation for all. I think we have just as many people on the left that are capable of delivering that kind of message. The issue being that, like, these reactionary pieces of shit that, like, you know, are, sure, charismatic, that, like, sure, are are great orators, even though their message is one of pure fucking vile evil, right? The issue being that, like, our message is one of liberation. Our message is one of equality. And that speaks what I think the expression is truth to power, right? Mm. No one wants that. No one's gonna have, like, that kind of shit on, on the fucking bookshelves of Barnes & Noble. You know, calling you fucking out, trying to find a book by uh, fucking Fanon, and, like... Yeah, I can find, like, three different fucking versions of Mein Kampf in Barnes & Noble, but, like, I can't find one fucking copy of State and Revolution. I can't find one fucking Parenti book. Like, fuck you. God damn. But, whatever. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I get you, man. It's, it's fucking crazy. I, I can find fucking endless copies of Firefly comic books, but I can't find one book about how, like, maybe Firefly is about, uh being like confederate apologists <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> uh 
um, you know, I'm sorry, but like it's a good show. It's it's yeah, no, like <laughs> it's I, a fun show, but like we gotta be a, we have to <laughs> we gotta be aware of the fact that like you know here's the other thing is it's like why'd you have to make such a good show about Confederate soldiers and also why'd you have to make Joss Whedon such a dick? I, so I, like you here's know. my big thing is that like you probably could have gotten away with having maybe just like more I don't know Chinese actors involved than you know if you're doing this sort of post yeah, post globalist like, which I don't even get me started on how like you know ridiculous the idea is of of America and China being the only two countries that become the spacefaring fucking uh, uh, powers in, in, in the world, in, in the universe or galaxy or whatever. Cause like, right. if there's a country that's going to be able to make it to space right now, uh, let me put it to you this way. It ain't fucking us. Um, oh yeah. You know, uh, I stand my president G. Uh, so for King, like, you know, the, the struggle would ultimately center on class, right? Class and race yeah. and gender all connected kind of fight. But it, under what he called, and I, I think it's so, such like a tongue-in-cheek, like you know, way of like he uses like terms like uh, like of, of materialism, impoverishment, and exploitation. If if I could give socialism by any other name, like <laughs> I can, yeah. Like, he was so close to calling it socialism. Well, I mean, and you know, I mean, like the dude went to fucking school. Like you know, he picked himself up. You know, he, you know, if he was reading books on anti-fascism, you know, he read, you know, Marx. You know, he read Lenin. You right? know for sure that he was reading these books because they were around. And but like, I mean, at this point, the fucking you know, Cold state War? and revolution wasn't that old. The Cold War, though. I mean, do you think like I, I don't know. I mean, would libraries have been legally allowed to carry that at that time? I feel like certain libraries would, and I feel like weirdly enough, seminaries would have been allowed to carry certain texts if they were labeled as sort of like religious doctrine. And so, like, I don't know, I feel like a woke fucking seminary might be able to be like, well, you know, fucking the Soviet Union kind of holds these speakers to, a, these, these writers to a, a religious standard. And so if you think about, I don't know, I'm giving a lot of fucking, uh, a lot of credit over to Covers, Corvers, Corvers, Cor, Cor, Crozers. Yeah, Crozier Seminary, but I don't know. I feel like he would have been able. I feel like it wouldn't have been available in like your local library. Probably not. But I feel like at a at a place of higher learning, I mean, he this had, would he have been available. Himself, whether or not he read Marx or Lenin or or, or any other text, like he admitted it himself. He he wrote a letter to his wife, uh, uh, Coretta Scott, uh, Coretta Scott King, later on. Um, yes. And, uh, like, this was in, like, you know, uh, what, July 18th, 1952. And I quote, I imagine you already know that I am much more socialistic in my economic theory than capitalistic. Capitalism started out with a noble and high motive, 
But like most human systems, it fell victim to the very thing it was revolting against. So today, capitalism has outlived its usefulness. End quote. Oh right? shit. Yeah, and his wife. Oh shit. Yo, yo, and his wife is no slouch either. She, oh, she worked shit. on the Henry Wallace campaign in 1948. So she was like already like I think he was just did saying just, some shit to like impress her. Did he just go there? Yeah. Yeah. Did he just go there? <laughs> I mean, he's saying, like, all kinds of... Even 68, right? Year that he died. In a sense, you could say we're involved in the class struggle. Like, the, the, he was a socialist. You can't deny that. He wasn't a liberal. He wasn't a conservative. He was a motherfucking socialist. Neither one of these assholes can fucking claim him. Yeah, no, no. He can't be claimed by the right for his religious whatever the fuck. And he can't be claimed by the fucking Democrats for the their fucking you know uh you know equal everyone's the same um you know neoliberal fucking globalist agenda bullshit that's ultimately extremely racist and would have chewed up uh Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr in his fucking in its own fucking system and if wound up probably the same if you even said something like that today right to a New York Times reporter right and he said this to, to a New York Times reporter, Jose Iglesias, in 1968. If you said that today, do you know, like, fucking Twitter, fucking Facebook, fucking all that shit would be, Fox like, News would be oh the next fucking... God. Two seconds later, Fox News. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. confirmed to be an anti-American yeah. communist. Fucking Tucker Carlson would be staring at that fucking screen with that fucking, like, fish-mouthed-ass fucking face for, like, an hour after that shit. Just be like, fucking, I can't, if you look over here, it's like right here, that is a communist. I don't know what Tucker Carlson sounds like. I assume like an asshole. Just, just mayonnaise. So. Just think may a jar of mayonnaise in human forms. <laughs> Oh my so, god. So let's talk about the fucking the this realness some more. Uh it just keeps going. I, I, like if you look through any of the, like we all grew up hearing the I have a dream speech, right? Very moving speech. Yeah. He's an amazing orator. Iconic speak. Iconic. Right? But how many times like are are, are we taught about speeches like quote Capitalism forgets that life is social, and the kingdom of brotherhood is found neither in the thesis of communism nor the antithesis of capitalism, but in a higher synthesis, right? How many times do you hear about him talking about how, call it democracy, or call it democratic socialism, but there must be a better distribution of wealth within this country for all God's children? How many times Bam. do we hear about him talking about how, like, we must recognize that we can't solve our problem now until there is a radical redistribution of economic and political power? This means a revolution of values and other things. We must see now that the evils of racism, economic exploitation, and militarism are all tied together. You can't really get rid of one without th getting rid of the others. The whole structure of American life must be changed. America is a hypocritical nation, and we must put our own house in order. And that's to, like, the SLLC staff in May of 1967, so that's, like, a year before he was shot. About, like, in the same speech, the evils of capitalism are as real as the evils of militarism and the evils of racism. 
because he understood that capitalism cannot exist without racism. There's no such thing as a, a non-racist capitalism. Absolutely not. And not and that goes for homophobia, that goes for transphobia, that goes for sexism. The, All of it. the Yes, it is it is by default capitalism by its default. It doesn't you know, it doesn't even fucking care if you're a straight cis het white man. Like it fucking doesn't care about you as a human. It doesn't it is it is prejudiced against all fucking people because it hates people. <laughs> and, like, the people in power are the ones who benefit from it. And so that happens to be cishet white dudes. Fucking cishet Protestant white dudes in fucking, you know, the western fucking... Or in the, I guess, northern hemisphere, mm -hmm. truth be told. But, like... Because we've done some shit to the southern hemisphere, y'all. Um, but, like that's who it benefits because that's who holds the fucking reins right now but like capitalism gone a fucking rye capitalism left to its own accord capitalism completely unchecked doesn't give a fuck about anybody doesn't care about anybody no one's safe lock up your wife lock up your children quote capitalism's killing everybody tonight quote if America does not use her vast resources of wealth to end poverty and make it possible for all of God's children to have the basic necessities of life, she too will go to hell. And he said that at a Bishop Charles Mason Temple of the Church of God in Christ in support of the Memphis sanitation workers strike on March 18th, 1968, two weeks before he was assassinated. Damn I believe, fucking straight. I think that was the one where it was actually, like, you know, a pretty new thing for there to be, like, a mixed-race union or something. I, I could be completely fucking wrong on that. Like, Twitter, tear me up if I'm wrong. But, like, I believe that, like, you know, it was a big deal back then when he was making that speech. Along with, like, you know, the whole part about, like, capitalism, you know, sending America to hell if we don't do anything about it. Which, you know, I mean, like, tell me it doesn't feel like, like that today. No, for sure. I mean, like, he was fucking right. We're here. We're in hell right now. Satan is the fucking president. It's and goddamn. Satan has always been the president. The seat of the president has always existed in hell. But, like, it fucking. It feels like a fucking. Like, we say this all the time online. We say we're in the dark timeline. That's the joke, right? That's the fun, funny meme of, haha, we're in the dark timeline. But, like, here's the thing, y'all, is we have had many opportunities to fucking turn left and we decided to turn right you know what i mean like we had choices we had moments oh, yeah. and instead of fucking like doing the right thing we just let fucking the government do its fucking thing and what happened two weeks after this moment fucking reverend dr martin luther king jr was shot to death and he had been working on the Poor People's Campaign, which was uh, it, like it, it was try it was going to be like a like a coalition, right, of the urban poor, the poor of the South, the poor Chicano folks of the Southwest who were like you know struggling with unions, right, in California, land struggle in New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, uh, for for historical rights. Uh, the, the, we had Native Americans or Indigenous peoples, the first people 
people's nation or face first nation. I'm messing this all up, but like, you know, that's what I do on mush mouth. So uh, he had that they they were struggling, and he was trying to involve them in the poor people's campaign. He had uh, the working class of Appalachia, right? You know, the 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 coal miners, textile mills, runaway mills. You know, had everybody that he was trying to do, and. Uh, well, you know, one year to the day, right? One year to the day, uh, April 4th, he, he was assassinated, I believe, right? Yeah, we're actually, uh, it's uh, the, it was just the, what was it, 51st, right? or it was just the 51st anniversary. Right, we, we, we could have we timed this a little bit better, but, you know, whatever. Uh this well, is... we're we're threading the needle between the anniversary. <laughs> we're threading the needle between the anniversary of the assassination of uh, the the Reverend Doctor and Abraham Lincoln, who is a racist piece of shit. Fight me, but anyway. Yeah, agreed. Uh, when you're the day after the Riverside Church speech denouncing Vietnam, and that's a speech that not a lot of people are taught about. I know I wasn't taught about that in school, uh, and that broke away from LBJ. Right, who was a so-called mm -hmm. ally, uh, a lot like you know the, the the fucking Kennedys, you know, a lot like Barack Obama even. No, I, I'm not saying that he was alive for that time, but like, don't tell me that Barack Obama was anti-war ever. Um, and mm. the the more fucked up part is the majority of black leaders turned on him, or straight up abandoned him, you know, at, just like they abandoned Paul Robeson. And if you don't know who Paul Robeson is. Look up the fucking Proles of the Roundtable episode on Paul Robeson. Look it up. W.E.B. Du Bois, or Du Bois, sorry. Uh, you know, uh, th th there was like a moral consistency of nonviolence at home and abroad. More than you can say for Bernie fucking Sanders. Right? And no president, mm -hmm. none, none has advanced the cause of black freedom or economic, economic justice. None. None. Not a single one. Not a single one. And there was just this horrifying time going on when uh, he was assassinated. Because it wasn't just him. It was Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, Fred Hampton, Bunchy Carter, John Huggins, Viola Liuzzo. Anyone with any kind of like role in civil rights to oppose the strategic aims of the U.S. military was eliminated murdered by state-sponsored terrorists. And I, I want to go, like, real quick, right? Real quick into to Medgar Evers, right? And uh -huh. he was a civil rights leader, too, along with him. And he gets forgotten pretty, pretty, pretty often. He isn't taught mm -hmm. about en enough, in, in my opinion. Um, the same thing with everybody that, like, we're going to be talking about. So... In the early mornings of, like, you know, June 12th, 1963, right? And this is, like, hours after John F. Kennedy's uh, televised civil rights address, right? This guy pulls right. into his driveway, right? He had just gotten T-shirts uh, for, for the NAACP uh, that read, Jim Crow must go. Gets out of right. his car and is shot through the fucking chest in the heart, and staggers 30 goddamn feet before collapsing outside of his front door. His wife and kids are on the other side of the door, 
right? His wife has him taken to, a, to the <coughs> local hospital in Jackson, right? And they refuse him! His family had to explain who he was, they admitted him, and he died in the hospital like 50 minutes later. He was the first African-American admitted to an all-white hospital in Mississippi. That's Damn. that's his that's his achievement, I I guess. Which is fucking just fucking horrible. Right? He was buried June nineteenth in Arlington National Cemetery, where he received full military honors before a crowd of more than three thousand. Because he was a World War Two fucking veteran. Right? Jesus. Yeah. So, you want to know what they did during his funeral? Where Martin Luther King and, and uh, Alan Johnson and, and, and all those, like, 5,000 people that marched to his fucking funeral, right? Do you want to know what the police did? What? They, well, well, let me guess. Uh, we're racist and nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, they showed up in, like, riot gear and, and rifles, you know, just, just in case, like, you know, it, it turned violent. The guy that shot him, Byron De La Beckwith, was a fertilizer salesman and a member of the White Citizens Council. Oh, and later also the Ku Klux Klan, of course. Uh, Of course. Yeah, of course. He was arrested, uh, like, way later on uh, and was, of course, like, prosecuted with an all-white jury, right? Uh, Guess how many times it was deadlocked? All of it. Twice. Forever? Twice. Like, how? Ugh, like, they even, like, failed to reach a verdict. Oh, by, by the way, like, uh, the Mississippi Constitution uh, did not allow uh, black people, I, I believe, into juries at that time. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, allowing them to register to vote or anything like that. Um, so... Medgar Evers' wife, uh, Merle, she never gave up. She kept on fighting uh, to have him, um, you know, brought still brought fighting. Just st- st- not not still fighting, um, because he did get oh. caught. He did get like you know caught for something else. Um, Byron. Yeah, Byron Bi- De La fucking Beckwith. 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 Um, apparently this, this fucker's also implicated in the death of, uh, of, um, of, uh, Evan Till or Emmett Till, Emmett Till. Uh, probably it, it wouldn't really surprise me. I didn't research that far into this dude's background, but he's a total fucking piece of shit. So you want to know what the other thing they get? What what like they actually? He got looks this like guy? a piece of shit. Here's my fucking question: Why do white supremacists always look like pieces of shit? And my grandfather, for some reason. Um, <laughs> All right. You know so what I mean? He had been con- like in 1994. De La was was prosecuted by the state based on new evidence. Right. Uh, during the trial, the body of Medgar Evers was exhumed for an autopsy. De La Beckwith was convicted of murder on February 5th, 1994. Fuck. 1994. Damn. Medgar Evers was shot on 
June 12th, 1963. 31 goddamn years. So, Dale was convicted of murder on February 5th, 1994, after having lived as a free man for much of the three decades following the killing. He had been in prison from 1977 to 1980 on separate charges, conspiring to murder uh, Adolf Adolf Botnick, right? It, yeah, I know, a strange name. For a Jewish civil rights activist that had served in the Battle of the Fucking Bulge, uh, he was trying to kill him with a fucking bomb. Uh... In 1997, De was appealed his conviction in the Evers case, but the Mississippi Supreme Court upheld it. For fucking once. Uh, he died at age 80 in prison on January 21st, 2001. Ugh. I know. So... I need some good news, man. <laughs> okay. I need the, some the, good the, news. The good news is, right, that these are all... The, the Martin Luther King Jr. And, and Medgar Evers probably agreed with him, right? They fought for equality and equity for all. Universal health care, guaranteed income. They were against war, and they were a socialist. And if you're listening... I hope that you too, you know, see yourself as a budding socialist. And it doesn't because matter it's what Martin you... Luther King. It's what the Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. would have wanted. It would. It, it's it's what he would have inspired. And I hope that, like, you know, the next time that, like, you know, you're on the internet, you take a little bit of time to like look up like some of his speeches or listen to one of his speeches and know that, like, you know, like if you feel inspired, get out there and do something. It's not the great men of history that changed the world. It's the it's the people that like you know make these changes happen. It's the people that do the work, right? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm this gonna isn't give, a me. This isn't a me movement. It's a we movement. It's a we movement, and, and I'm gonna give a little bit of an excerpt. I know I've, I've been real heavy on quotes, you know, uh, the, the, pretty early on, but like this is quotes are a, good. They lend validity to our cause. This is a little bit of the speech, you know, uh, on April fourth, nineteen sixty-seven, exactly one year before his assassination. King addressed the nation from Riverside Church in New York City. I quote. A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth. With righteous indignation, it will look at thousands of working people displaced from their jobs with reduced incomes as a result of automation while the profits of the employers remain intact and say, this is not just. It will look across the oceans and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America, only to take profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries and say, this is not just. It will look at our alliance with the landed gentry of Latin America and say, this is not just. The Western arrogance of feeling that it has Everything to teach others and nothing to learn from them is not just. A true revolution of values will lay hands on the world order and say of war, this way of settling differences is not just. And it's not just, and that's the end of the quote, and, it, and it's not just boots on the ground war. 
right? It's not just droning uh, funerals and birthday parties and weddings, okay? It's economic sanctions. It's embargoes. It's it's starving. It's economic like, imperialism. It's, it's economic imperialism. It's the slow strangulation of trade with these countries. So, also called that fucking shot. Am I right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Like Fuck. literally, just like every single like check, check. Yeah. Check. Yeah, capitalists across the sea exploiting people in Asia and then fucking... Uh, Yo, that part about South America, look what the fuck is going on right now in fucking Venezuela. Yeah. I got some, like, fucking rich-ass, like, you know, gusano pale-faced girl talking to people about how, like, you know, oh, she just wants her country back. Like, what? Your family hasn't lived there in, like, fucking 30 years, right? Not to mention your dad is literally... What, what, uh, uh, where the hell did he work? Like, some, like, you know, Washington fucking, like, economic school, right? And he's, like, the advisor to Guido or Guido, whatever the fuck his name is. That asshole just, like, declared himself fucking president, right? Right. Fuck, fuck that lady. Fuck her. God damn it. She has, like, a German last name, too, which is very fucking telling. If any of y'all know your history about where the Nazis went after World War II. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So, remember that thing I was telling you about, like, the, the, the poor people's campaign? Mm-hmm. Right? All right. So, pretty much everybody was against it. Uh, remember how I was telling you about how, like, you know, the, the president turned his back on him? Uh-huh. Well, Johnson thought that, like, it would lead to a violent takeover of the nation's capital. So, he's, he's out. Uh, he was no ally of civil rights. Uh, you got, what, d- the Democratic Senator Russell B. Long called for the censure of Congress people whom he accused of bending the knee to the campaign, also saying, when that bunch of marchers comes here, they can just burn the whole place down and we can just move the Capitol someplace where they enforce the law. Another- Why don't we just take Bikini Bottom <laughs> and move it somewhere else? Another Democratic senator, John L. McClellan, accused the SLC, the, the SCLC, of attempting to start a riot and decried a recent court decision that he said would allow marchers to go to Washington one night and get on welfare the next day, rendering D.C. a mecca for migrants. And don't even get me started on what Nixon said. He, of course, was, like, totally against it while he was campaigning in 68. Nixon was a piece of shit. Um, oh, the, the army? The army, you know, the, the, the you know, uh, be all that you can be? 20,000 of them were activated and prepared for military occupation of the Capitol should the poor people's campaign pose a threat. Yikes. How long did it take? How long did it take for us to get people to... Yeah, you know, uh, those that were affected by Katrina. Oh, who the fuck? No, it was like a month, two weeks, three weeks. What, what, what the fuck was it? Uh, like, I know, think it was two weeks. But the minute you know, two or three weeks. The minute people like you know are trying to like march on Washington, it's just like whatever. Fuck, fuck, fuck it, fuck them, fuck the army, fuck them, fuck, fuck them all, fuck them all. Uh, um, well, you know what? We shouldn't fuck. Is uh, this week's sponsors? Why don't we go uh, to Solidarity Hour? Solidarity Hour. 
This episode of Comradical is sponsored in part by Trans Artist of the Day on Twitter. Are you looking for some new art in your life and new artists to support? Well, then do I have good news for you. You can go on Twitter right now and follow Danny Pastelbird Kazanov and look at their amazing, amazing art. Uh, their twiddle, twid, twiddle, their twiddle handle, little, little, their Twitter handle is uh, Pastalbird. That's P A uh, P A S T A L B I R D, uh, and uh, they do some incredible, incredible work. Incredibly stylized. Uh, none of that Cal Arts shit. Um, they do some wonderful, wonderful work, and I highly encourage you to go support them. And if you uh, really, really, really enjoy what they do, they have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pastalbird, uh, spelled the same as before, P-A-S-T-A-L-B-I-R-D. Uh, their Patreon is there. You can support them, and um, they have some wonderful, wonderful work. Uh, there's plenty of examples on their Twitter. And please go, and uh, I believe they're doing commissions right now, and I think they have some merch up uh, for you to get if you want to support them even more um it's really really stellar stuff uh to find even more amazing artists uh follow trans artist of the day on twitter you can find them at trans underscore artist uh once again that is at trans underscore artists uh and always remember stay kind to yourself and others yes johnny yes. uh i got a podcast i want to share with you all right, let's hear. What is the pride? The, the podcast. This podcast <laughs> is called Ink Tank. Is it now? It's called Ink Tank, and uh, yes. it just made its triumphant comeback um, yes. after a brief hiatus. And mm-hmm. Ink Tank is a wonderful podcast hosted by my good friend Penny Parker. Uh, as the co-host and the primary host and editor of the show is my beautiful girlfriend, uh, Lily Blue Lennox, which you all might recognize as uh, the the brains behind my fucking uh, flailing creative visions. Um, <laughs> she co-hosts the Good Boys Girls with me and Bad Advertising and uh, a few other shows that we've done together. Um, But this is her brainchild. This is the show that started it all. Um, The first show on this network. It is an absolute treasure, and I'm so glad it's back. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Basically, what they do is they have someone come on, and uh, every, every other week they release an episode where they talk about, with their guest, uh, their guest's favorite animated movie, and go into detail and just gush. And it's all super positive. There's no fucking like, you know, oh, this movie sucks so much dick. Ooh, and like all that garbage. It's like legitimately a super posy experience for everybody. And I highly, highly recommend you go listen to it, especially if you love animated movies. Um, but also if you just want to like listen to some people talk about shit that they love and not like ex- existential garbage, like what we're we're shilling over here at Comradical. Um, and, uh, yeah, go, go over there and give that a listen. It airs every other week only on lunarlightstudio.com. Go over there and give them your support. Check it out. 
Hi, this is Haley Rose. And this is Lily Blue. And we are the, the Good, Good Boys, Boys Girls. Hi, I love you. Hi, I love you. Hey, do you like to listen to the McElroy Brothers? You bet I do. Do you like to listen to the McElroy Brothers? Not only do I like to listen to them, but I like to watch them as well. <gasps> so do I. And if you're a fan of the McElroy family of products, well then, boy howdy, do we have the podcast for you. What's it called? It's called The Good Boys Girls. The Good Boys Girls. The Good Boys Girls. The Good Boys Girls. That's us. We're the Good Boys Girls. We're making this podcast where we two girlfriends talk about the McElroy brothers and their wonderful wives and families and everything and their content and it's really great and we gush and we critically analyze it's come on come on down you know you want to come it's really fun and meanwhile we're very cute and adorable and we have a good time together we certainly do we certainly do where can we find this podcast? Oh, you know what? I think it might just be on LunarLightStudio.com every other Friday. Every other Friday? Every other Friday. Wow. See you there. Johnny. Yes. We're going too dark again. We need to steer back to the light. Okay. All right. So I guess, like, I'll very briefly talk about like you know how the FBI had set up this uh, th- this this uh, op- this organization within it called COINTELPRO and then set up an operation called POCAM uh, w- which was set to like monitor people and disrupt the campaign for the, the poor people's march uh, what, what, especially after the Beyond Vietnam speech, uh, the efforts were like you know successful in turning lawmakers and administration officials against King, uh, and like you know the what, what is it the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Um, oh wow, this and, is so and much brighter and happier. I'm I, so I'm, glad. I'm, 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 I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. So like you know, uh, Operation POCAM became the first project of the FBI's. Ghetto Informant Program. And Gross. this is going to come up later. I know. It's incredibly problematic. Uh, but I don't think they really cared. Uh, which recruited thousands of people to report on poor black communities. Uh, through GIP, the FBI quickly established files on the SCLC recruiters in cities across the U.S. FBI agents posted as journalists, used wiretaps, and even recruited some of the recruiters as informants. Look at that. That's just great. Uh, the FBI collaborated with the John Birch Society. Don't ask me to talk about the John Birch Society. Just Google it and then throw up in your mouth a little bit. To set up an organization called Truth About Civil Turmoil. TACT. TACT held events featuring uh, this woman like Julia Brown. It claimed to be, it claimed to have infiltrated the civil rights movement and exposed it as communist leadership. Basically, they just bullshitted to everyone. I mean, they, they even made, tried to make up, like, you know, through the Freedom of Information Act, right? The FBI, like, made up stories, you know, and, and just to, to literally create tensions between the Poor People's Campaign and, like, fucking Quakers, for God's sake, right? To drive the two groups apart. Basically, to just isolate the civil rights groups, uh, especially the SCLC, as much as they could from anyone. Right. And that is pretty goddamn frustrating. I'd say. Right? And I think that you need to get just a little bit angry more than sad, right? And when you feel that kind of anger, I don't think there's anybody that expressed it quite as fervently 
as as Malcolm X. Chaboy. Chaboy Malcolm X. Shabazz in the house. So I'm gonna quote him a little bit here, but uh, I, I would definitely suggest reading his autobiography. Um, he lived a very hard life, and while he never came to the conclusion of class struggle, he came really close uh, before he was gunned down. And he well, he was like, all about seizing the means. He was, he was all, all about, about seizing, the, seizing means. the means. His whole he shit was like basically that, like, yeah, we need to fucking whole, put like, the killer Mike thing going on, where he thought that like, oh, we need to replace the bourgeoisie white people with bourgeoisie black people. Which doesn't fucking fix anything. Right. It still has a bourgeoisie. Yeah. You can elect a black man president and... <laughs> wow! Um, the black population of America gained literally nothing. Huh. Still being shot en masse. Weird. Still and we're, being and, vilified. Oh, and, and look, yeah. now we're bombing people with robots. Exactly. Right? Great. Ah, fuck. Alright, so... I quote... We are living in an era of revolution, and the revolt of the American Negro is part of the rebellion against oppression and colonialism which has characterized this era. It is incorrect to classify the revolt of the Negro as simply a racial conflict of black against white, or as purely American problem. Rather, we are today seeing a global rebellion of the oppressed against the oppressor, the exploited against the exploiter. He got, and that's the end of the quote, he got so close. Like, I mean, he's got all the life. right words there, right? He's got exploiting. Yeah, they're, they're he's all got there. Wor- he's got workers. He's got classes. He's got the fucking Western world. It's it's all there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he was part of, I think, what was it called? The the Na- Nation of Islam? Yes. The, um, the, or is it the Islamic Brotherhood? Or something? I, I forget. Um, no, they are, they at the time were the... What was the official name? They were the Nation of Islam, and Nation they are Islam. now okay. known as the American Islamic. Hang on, I gotta look this up. I looked this up recently because I recently marched with somebody from that organization. Yeah, and, it, uh, it's um. <clears throat> the cops murdered that kid in Patterson. It's problematic, but it has a lot of uh, a very very rich history of community organizing, oh, yeah. which is um really good. Let me look this Kinda up. Kind of dicey when it comes to the rights of women and the, the, where they... Yes, the um, it kinda, is... Kind of dicey. It is. Um, it's tricky to talk about that um, when... Uh, last night I checked, they kind of became Scientologists, too, I think. So. Well, the it's tricky to talk about that because, you know, when you're talking about women's rights, you know, in the Middle East... It's tricky to talk about that because it gets caught up in this sort of Western ideology of liberation and feminism that is being put yeah. onto human, you know, human beings from another part of the world who have different understandings of what liberation looks like and what empowerment looks like and what, you know, yeah. their religious freedoms entail. But then you have that sort of ideology put in an American context and then it's a matter of like what does liberation look like for you know black women what does liberation look like for <clears throat> women of color in this country what does that mean i mean it at this period of time you also have this resurgence or this this upsurge of anti-feminist feminist thinking uh known as womanism which was a christian oh, really? theological um 
sort of reaction to white feminist like uh it's the second wave and stuff and like and in the first wave as well of these like white feminists being like this is how you fucking liberate yourself from you know your your white husband who's blah 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 and it's just like so, so you're talking so, about Gloria Steinem huh Gloria Steinem uh she yeah. was uh yeah a quote-unquote feminist journalist and social political activist who is a fucking plant for the fucking CIA <laughs> No, I'm not talking about Gloria. Oh, yeah, Gloria Steinem. The, yes, I'm. Yes, she. Yeah, she's like, a, she's, the second wave feminists were pieces of shit, and I fucking hate them. Um, total fucking garbage. I just want to fucking absolutely punch fucking all those fucking self righteous bitches in the face. But um, no, womanism was a religious reaction of uh, black women who who gave way to this ideology of like. What does black female liberation look like? What is liberation yeah. that transcends like this sort of intersectional re- relationship between gender and race? Um, and that later gave way to sort of the the it, it later informed some of the thinking around uh, sexual liberation. So like, what does being a woman of color who is a lesbian like? How does feminism work for that? And then like what about you know trans people like this this reaction to this critical eye to feminism that was created by these black women during the civil rights movement is integral to the the way that we we think about feminism critically today without dispelling it completely so um yeah um, it's it's a tricky situation to talk about feminism with regards to especially religion because it's all very intersectional and you have to understand what individuals perceive as their own liberation or oppression yeah. and then how to factor that in because you cannot speak for the women of the nation of Islam and say that they feel oppressed based on what you would consider to be oppression. However, no, no, no. a lot of them do feel oppressed. <laughs> he, he, like, you know, there's, there's a quote that a lot of people use where, like, a woman asks them, like, what she, what can, like, she do to help, like, get involved or something, and I, I think his response was nothing. <laughs> so, like, yeah. there's, there's that. But he, later on, I, I think it was uh, Muslim Mosque Incorporated or something, he was trying to set up his own thing. Um, after he left, uh, the, that, that organization, uh, he was, I think, you know, him and MLK would have been on the same page, you know, had he lived, you know, uh, I think they would have wound up getting there, but like, you know, he, he had the right idea. I mean, like he, uh, he rejected both the Democrats and the Republicans, but not for political reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. And he pointed out that, like, both parties represented the interests of mainly white ruling class. So he, again, he was so close. Like, and, you know, especially when it comes to how we describe, and, like, we've talked about this in previous episodes, and I, I really think, like, we should do, like, a deep dive someday about, like, conservatism and liberalism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a quote about John Brown and, and liberalism, right? This you've never heard X of John does? Brown. Yeah, Malcolm X. You've never heard of John Brown, again, Pulse Pot of the Round Table has a great episode on John Brown, and he was a total fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Total fucking badass. And, 
you know, Malcolm goes on to say, For one, when a white man comes to me and tells me how liberal he is, the first thing I want to know, is he a nonviolent liberal or the other kind? I don't go for any nonviolent white liberals. If you are for me and my problems, when I say me, I mean us, our people. Then you have to be willing to do as old John Brown did. And if you're not of the John Brown school of liberals, we'll get to you later. Oh, later. shit. Yeah, exactly. Love Bad it. Bad fucking ass. I fucking love his attitude. Just look up speeches by fucking Malcolm I mean, X. like, they're, he just, he, the thing that Malcolm X had that I feel like we all need to have is this, con- like, this this sense of urgency. Because I feel like we all, like, sit here talking about, like, what do we gotta do to fucking come up with a solution to capitalism and blah, blah. And, like, you know, you go to these fucking DSA meetings and you go to these fucking places and everyone just sits around fucking looking real serious, talking about who do we support and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, when are we going to fucking take to the streets and fucking scream out into the heavens that fucking people are dying in the streets? Flint, Michigan still doesn't have clean fucking water. And goddamn, like, we are exploiting people in the southern hemisphere. We're exploiting people all over the fucking globe. We are setting up these fucking globalist positions of power. Why aren't we fucking running into the streets and... You know? Like, it's just... It's... It's... It's infuriating that we sit around talking and don't do anything and malcolm x had this con like this constant drive to be like i need to be fucking talking to people i need to be out there i need to be talking to people i need to spread the knowledge i need to spread the message with you up to a point that like yeah i agree and we should be taking to the fucking streets and i do i have right Mm -hmm. the second step is to seize that kind of power to get your message heard by everybody and have everybody seizing those streets but also like i i think that the old if you're not going to do you know uh something insurrectionary right which if you even tried that i don't care how many thousands of people you have in your organization you'd be instantly crushed in a matter of minutes Mm. uh also like you know the the second that like you know you start an organization that like is even mildly insurrectionary uh that i did just told you about COINTELPRO. Yeah. I just told you about how these organizations were infiltrated. Right? Mm-hmm. I could even go on to tell you it's not even just civil rights organizations that were infiltrated, right? It's, not, mm-hmm. it's feminist organizations, like with Gloria Steinem. It's fucking like Communist Party USA I think had, what, at one point more, uh, uh, more plants, more people, more infiltrators than actual legit members at one point. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that's where we get to my man, the the most God, the boy, the most the man, inspi- the, man- the, mo- the the most inspiring motherfucker that like ever could have fucking walked the face of this goddamn the man, earth. the myth, the legend himself, Fred motherfucking Hampton, born nineteen forty eight, born nineteen forty eight, died. 1969 I think like the following year after uh, after Martin Luther 21 years yeah 21 years old 21 assassinated December 4th 1969 I can't like I was 
Like, like, what were you doing at 21 years old, Haley? Getting high. Um, Same. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was getting high, and then um, at the very end of my 21st year, I, I, I got clean. So, I fucking, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was getting high is what I was doing at 21, and mostly spending my days. Uh, getting and losing jobs, um, and, uh, smoking weed and fucking, uh, playing video games. Same, except, you know, a whole lot more. Mm. So, Fred Hampton at 21 was a member of the Black Panther Party. Uh, he was born in Summit, Illinois, raised in Maywood, graduated with honors in 66, from high school, went to Developmental Institute at the YMCA Community College in Chicago, uh, Triton YMCA Community College in Chicago. Hell yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, the the Triton Junior College in River Grove, Illinois, and majored in pre-law. Why? To better protect his community against the police. Need I remind you of all those, those, those little short, you know, those little short screen grabs that, like, you know, they always play for you right around, uh, you know, when, when they're teaching about Martin Luther King Jr. and fucking, mm-hmm. you know, history class or some shit. You know, where, like, people are being attacked by fucking dogs sprayed with hoses, being, like, beaten with nightsticks and shit, right? You mean, like, how today just... people are still being shot in the streets illegally by fucking police fucking Gestapo forces? Precisely, right? Uh, except, like, it wasn't just when they were doing marches. It, it, it was all the fucking time. Bombing right? people's fucking houses. Uh, so, he organized for the NAACP, and that's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, and he joined the Black Panther Party in 1968 in Oakland, California. He then moves to Chicago, and then starts an Illinois chapter in under a year having clothing drives, food drives for, like, you know, kids that, like, you know, just needed food before school in the morning, and and, and educating people, and, and the Black Panther Party was, like, fucking awe-inspiring. Absolutely phenomenal group. Um, labeled a uh, terrorist organization. Uh, what do you know? People that stand up against violence of a marginalized community being labeled a terrorist organization. Wow. So it's almost surprise. like fucking Shocker. every single time that happens. It's almost like, yeah. and you know, I hate to fucking bring white people who own slaves into this fucking equation, but like the fucking American Revolution that we fucking, you know, get down on our knees and open wide to fucking fillet the founding fathers all the time and that fucking... That thing we reenact? That thing we reenact? <laughs> they were fucking terrorists! <laughs> they were labeled fucking dissidents and, t- and traitors to the crown. They were, they were sentenced to death because they betrayed their fucking country. And we're like, these guys are heroes. And then meanwhile, the fucking same shit is happening. People are being fucking taxed without representation. People are being killed in the streets unfairly by fucking, you know, the the arm, you know. We talk about the Boston Massacre, and everybody fucking gets all pissed off because it was fucking, you know, like, it's the the British were fucking oppressing the people of Boston and, and unlawfully shooting them in the streets. And then you fucking have cops fucking knocking down innocent black families' doors 
killing them, and they organize. They decide, the Black Panthers decide, let us arm ourselves to defend ourselves against a government that does not speak for us, that seeks to put us down, and all of a sudden they are labeled fucking traitors and dissidents and terrorists. Don't even get me started on fucking criminality because runaway slaves were criminals. Fucking Jews hiding from the fucking Nazis were considered criminals. There are so many things that are done legally that we look back on in horror. And right? don't fucking, don't even get that... me started with your fucking Fox News ass bullshit where you say, oh, Black Panthers were a black supremacy. Get the fuck out of here. Good. Yeah. You know what? Fine. Actually, let them be black supremacy fucking organization. Yes. That's a good thing in my opinion. Fucking put white fucking people down. I don't fucking care anymore. It's a crock of shit. Fuck them. Fuck them. I'm totally for it. But you know, but that's a, but the fucking thing was they weren't. They were literally just like a a a, a community. They were the neighborhood watch. Be, well, but beyond that, they were beyond the, the neighborhood like, watch. They were also the ones who were like, let's teach our fucking children so that they can have a fucking job in the future. Let's make sure that our fucking community is fed because a lot of us can't afford fucking breakfast. So near the like, look up the history of the Black Panther Party. Uh, if anything, maybe we'll do an episode. On Educate it. yourself. To, but like, I really need to do like a lot more research if I'm gonna like tell everybody everything there is to know about the Black Panther Party, right? Yeah. Uh, like it was a pretty like factional. You know, it, every chapter was a little different. Yeah. And but the Chicago chapter under uh, Fred Hampton's leadership was probably the most legit that you'll ever find. Uh, Hampton, and look, remember at 21. He was assassinated. Mm -hmm. So I think like the the year prior, during that year, right for like this is the barely full year that he was twenty one, he brokered a deal between uh, two notable street gangs, uh, televised a, a multiracial class conscious alliance between the BPP, uh, the the Black Panther Party, Young Patriots, and Young Lords, two other organizations. Uh, having a non-aggression pact. He coined the phrase Rainbow Coalition that, like, you know, if you ask your parents, they probably have heard it, or some other, like, you know, liberal has tried to, to like, just whitewash that fucking term, right, and bastardize it, because that's what liberals fucking do, right? And at 21 years old, after doing all of this, after, like, doing so much for his community. After, like, you know, brokering peace between two street gangs, right? Um, you would think that he would be lauded by, the by like, you know, the community. Yeah, especially by even, I guess, like, the police, right? Like, oh, you're, you're stopping, like, the, the violence between, like, you know, oh, black on black crime, like, you know, fucking... Yeah, oh, Chicago is still blah, 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 gun control. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 that term that, like, these shitheels are constantly fucking throwing out there. Well, no, instead he's assassinated by the fucking FBI in an illegal raid. Mark O'Neill, right, an FBI informant, 
uh, not revealed to be as such until 1973. He drugged Fred Hampton and uh, I, I'm assuming the rest of the, the the nine people or ten people that were occupying like that apartment. That was like their headquarters, right, for that chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he drugged Fred Hampton the night of the raid and was in charge of cooking that night for everyone. And the raid happened at like 4 a.m. One man was in charge of security and let off a shot from the shotgun he was holding as he was dying. There were nine people in that apartment. Nine people. Nineteen guns in that apartment. And more than a thousand rounds of ammunition. That was the only discharged weapon by a member of the Black Panther Party. Because he was shot in the chest. And I guess like the way he was holding uh, the, the shotgun, he let off a shot. And he, he died. He, he didn't make it either. Uh... The, the FBI raid, however, there, there was close to, I think, like, uh, over a hundred shots were fired by the FBI. This is like a tiny fucking apartment. You can yeah. look up photos of this. There, there's even, um, like, you know, I, I don't think they cordoned off, like, the apartment or, like, they broke in. But there was a, a movie made, I think it's called, like, the, the Killing of Fred Hampton or, like, The Murder of Fred Hampton. You look it up. That's a movie worth, like, looking into. They, they go into detail about, like, how, how they tried to basically say, that, like, oh, no, the raid went off without a hitch, went off exactly as it was supposed to. Even though, uh, you know, so if, if Fred Hampton was drugged, why was it necessary for them to shoot him twice in the head, point blank range next to his pregnant fucking girlfriend? No such thing as a good cop. No such thing. Because even if you are, you don't stay in the department. I mean, like... You don't uphold bourgeois law. You don't uphold these laws that protect property, that protect capital, not people, not humans. You don't stay a cop if you're a good cop. That's the thing. If you're a bad cop, you can rise all the way to the top. Fred Hampton had a fucking beautiful future ahead of him. He did. He probably... No, not probably. He was going to be the next uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But I think even better. Honestly. So... So, um, COINTELPRO was still classified and not public until 1971. There was no congressional oversight, not that it would matter. To this day, Congress still isn't even 100% on board with Brown versus the fucking Board of Ed, right, in the year of our Lord 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your elected officials would most likely still be on board with the way that this was carried out and considering immigrant rights organizations are monitored to this day and people are extrajudicially murdered and incarcerated you know or die of suspicious causes like so many fucking organizers from charlottesville it it doesn't look good you know uh it it, it, it's all fucking infuriating but, you know, and it's fucking, yeah, it's infuriating. It's fucking infuriating, but, like, the thing is, like, these things keep popping up. And I think the big thing that we need to, 
remember, right, is that these movements of people don't die with these, you know, great men of history. You know, this bourgeois no, his, narrative. His son actually continued to fight. Yeah, this bourgeois narrative that, like, it's individuals who rise to greatness that, when stopped, are... Great man of history. Yeah, they, they stop history. You know what I mean? If you stop the man, you stop the movement. That's not how it works. And I mean, like, you know, it, you don't have to look any further than, like, you know, the NAACP started out and, like, they they worked closely with King and they worked closely with Fred Hampton. And, like, you know, it's... it's they they were around, but, like, the NAACP... But they turned their backs. They turned they their turned backs. They turned their backs on people. They could have been working with people, but, like, the other thing, though, is, like, they're still here. You know, like, the NAACP is still around. You know, like, they the, that organization is still around, right? They, they, were, they, were, they were canvassing on my fucking campus the other day. And, like, regardless of their policies and how they've handled things and how they could have supported people better, like, they're still here. You know, people are still here. They're still fighting the same fights, unfortunately. Because... But that should tell you something. That should tell you something about how it's, what close to 50 years later and we're still fighting the same fights it should tell you something about the efficacy of their tactics it should tell you something about the efficacy of what they are willing to support and what they are willing to throw their weight behind well it's it comes right? down to this right like we can either sit around with our fucking thumbs up our asses waiting for another king or waiting for another x or waiting for another hampton or we can realize that they they were just mouthpieces of an idea they were just mouthpieces of an idea and that idea frankly was socialism and not in a fucking you know oh fucking bourgeois american i think at this point we don't need to fucking clarify any further than that we don't mean that social oh they were socialists you know like we we obviously mean that as a good thing they were they were incredible people who arrive to these conclusions naturally and that's the that's the thing right that's the thing that's so fucking telling about this is none of them i don't think were fucking like formally educated marxists you know what i mean oh none of they they did they read they read they read they read praxis and theory they read but the thing was like they came to these conclusions you know, Hampton came up with his ten point system. You know, King. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't Hampton. It was Huey oh. P. Newton. I'm sorry, Huey P. Newton okay. came up with the, this ten point system. Like they, they came to these conclusions based on their values. You know, King came up with his decisions based on his values. X came up with these decisions based on his values. These people came up with them based on what they believed to be right and true, and. Because they, they see these things in their lives. That's the thing is that, like, people think that, like, you know what's funny is that, like, academics, and especially, like, you know, these kids that come from, like, the middle class or these kids that come from, like, these, like, fancy, like, ham like, like fucking Harvard-ass backgrounds, they act like it's so fucking hard to grasp, right? But, like, the minute you start reading through, the minute you start reading Marx or Lenin, all of these ideas are pretty simple, pretty easy to grasp, right? I feel like it's pretty fucking telling of somebody's fucking background, right? Or at least somebody's fucking view of the goddamn world when they start saying about how difficult this shit is to grasp. Because if you grow up fucking broke, if you grow up fucking poor, you fucking get this shit because you live it. You, you If anything, you're probably going to find most of it boring because it's shit that you already fucking know. 
right? Right. But, like, they had a ten-point fucking program, like you were saying, right? Ten-point fucking program, because these are these are material... That's what fucking socialism is based on, right? This is a material fucking science, right? It's and there about are material goals. gains to be... There are material gains to be had, right? And they're all centered around the idea that, like... We're human fucking beings, and we require certain things to goddamn live. And at the end of the day, that's all we're trying to fucking do is live and keep living. All right, so let's do it like this. I'm going to read one, and then you're going to read one. Okay. All right, so the first one, right, of the 10-point program of the Black Panther Party was, we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. We believe that black people will not be free until we are able to determine our destiny. Two, we want full employment for our people. We believe that the federal government is responsible and obligated to give every man employment and a or a guaranteed income. We believe that if the white American businessman will not give full employment, then the means of production should be taken from the businessman and placed in the community so that the people of the community can organize and employ all of its people and give a high standard of living. Three, we want an end to the robbery by the capitalists of our black community. We believe that this racist government has robbed us, and now we are demanding the overdue debt of 40 acres and two mules. 40 acres and two mules were promised 100 years ago as restitution for the slave labor and mass murder of the black people. We will accept the payment and currency which will be distributed to our many communities. The Germans are now aiding the Jews in Israel for the genocide of the Jewish people. The Germans murdered 6 million Jews. The American racist has taken part in the slaughter of over 50 million black people. Therefore, we feel that this is a modest demand that we make. Four, we want decent housing to fit for the shelter of human beings. We believe that if the white landlords will not give decent housing to our black community, then the housing and the lands should be made into cooperatives so that, the, that our community, with government aid, can build and make decent housing for its people. Five, we want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. We believe in an educational system that will give, our pe give to our people a knowledge of self. If a man does not have knowledge of himself and his position in society and the world, then he has a little chance to relate to anything else. Six, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. We believe that black people should not be forced to fight in the military service uh, to defend a racist government that does not protect us. We will not fight and kill other people of color in the world who, like black people, are being victimized by the white racist government of America. We will protect ourselves and uh, from the force and violence of the racist police and racist military by whatever means necessary. Seven, we want an immediate end to the police brutality and murder of black people. We believe we can end police brutality in our black community by organizing black self-defense groups that are dedicated to defending our black community from racist police oppression and brutality. The Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States gives a right to bear arms. We therefore believe that all black people should arm themselves for self-defense. Eight, we want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. We believe that all black people should be released from the many jails and prisons because they have not not received a fair and impartial trial. 
Nine, we want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in a court by a jury of their peer group or people from their black communities. As defined by the Constitution of the United States, we believe that the courts should follow the United States Constitution so that black people will receive fair trials. The 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution gives a man a right to be tried by his peer group. A peer is a person from a similar economic, social, religious, geographical, environmental, historical, and racial background. To do this, the court will be forced to select a jury from the black community from which the black defendant came. We have been and are being tried by all white juries that have no understanding of, quote unquote, the average reasoning man of the black community. 10. We want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the of the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation okay i'm not gonna read the last part because it is the preamble of the yeah pretty much yeah but there's so much of this that resonates to this day absolutely black people make up most of the prison population that's one right there two Right, they make up like most of the unemployed population, and for, for what fucking like every other fucking month, there's some new fucking bill where it's just like in New Jersey, like they don't have to fucking tell you why they're firing you. Right, they can fucking just do it. Three, uh, don't even get me started on that shit, cause like you know, we'll do an episode on Palestine some other time, but uh, yeah. Like, I am pro-reparation. That's another thing that we need to cover. Mm -hmm. uh, for one decent hazard for the shelter of humans. Do you remember, like, what was it? Like, less than, like, was it last year where somebody posted, like, that Section 8 housing, right? That, that For people that, like, you know, need subsidized housing and the walls are just crawling with cockroaches, like, right. down in Florida or some shit. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want education for our people. I don't even, do I even really need to go into, like, all the, the schools, like, you know, in low-income neighborhoods that, like, don't have heat, don't have air conditioning, don't have fucking books, don't have, like, you know, giving out moldy food to kids and shit, cutting snap, cutting fucking food stamps, just, like, uh, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. How many of, like, you know, the working fucking poor make up, uh, you know, our military? Or, you know, I think that might have been disproven, but either or, like, you know, what the fuck do we need to send, like, you know, any person of fucking color, or anybody for that fucking matter, to anywhere else in the world to fucking, what, further the, the gains of American fucking empire? We've been at war now for fucking, like, you know, what, 16 years? None of us are any fucking, uh, quote-unquote, safer, right? Mm-hmm. Police brutality. I don't need. Do I? Do I even need to acknowledge that? I think we've no, done a pretty good job. Yeah, police. I think we covered that pretty deeply. No, no, just generally fuck the police. Just generally fuck the police. Uh, one, three, one, two. Um, more freedom for all black men. Yeah, I, all right, we covered that one. 
Alright, uh, we want all Blackfield Brock to be trial. Uh, yeah, we covered that one. Uh, need I bring up just even what happened during, uh, you know, the trial for, you know, Medgar Evers, killer, um, murderer. Uh, we want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, just... Yeah, not, all these sound like pretty great things that uh, still aren't even considered a fucking human right in America, so... So. So. Here's the thing, though. What thing? What's the thing? Socialism has what fucking it? happened in America. Wasn't instituted. But grassroots organizations have, have and are trying to make this the ha thing happen. And it's not some big fucking secret. Ooh, no one's ever heard of it before. This is fucking Martin Luther King. This is fucking Malcolm X. These are the fucking people. Angela Davis. This is the motherfucking movement. People have been... Asata Shakur. People have been fucking doing this for fucking years because this is the fucking thing. And what I was trying to say before... Is that they they came up with these fucking conclusions based on their values because they realized, like you were saying, it's fucking commonplace for anyone who's been oppressed or poor who has ever gone hungry. It's common knowledge for people to be like, no, this is fucking necessary. This is what we need. We cannot continue to live this way because we have to change the way that our society fucking works. We need a massive cultural shift. And so that's why we're fucking doing this is like... There is a movement right now, and it's a movement of unparalleled uh, numbers and, and passion in this country. Right now, the reason that there is a fascist presence currently in the White House and in government and this huge upsurgence of, of neo-fascism, that's not really a, an appropriate term because it's always been here, um, this, this huge upsurgence of fascism in in America right now is because fascism is not a far-right ideology that just exists on its own. Fascism is a reaction to the left. And you can judge, just like you can, you know, determine the fucking, like, the, the ideals of normalcy based on a horror movie that came out of a certain period of time, and you could determine that through John Carpenter's Halloween, you can understand white America's fear of, of urbanization and serial killers and this sort of shattering of the, the status quo from the, from the mid-20th century. This idea that maybe the world isn't as safe and perfect as they thought it was. It, through the lens of Halloween and Michael Myers and the fucking shit that goes on in your own backyard. And you can, do, you can backtrace the presence of a fascist movement in America to the fact that there is an equal, if not more powerful, leftist movement, a socialist movement, countering it. And that gives me hope. The fact that there's these fucking, you know, goddamn fascists popping up all over the place is because the world is waking up and because of the interconnectivity of the internet because of the fact that we can learn and educate ourselves and we we don't have to rely on a racist fucking library to give us our information we can find it on our own and we can learn about Malcolm X and we can get Malcolm X's autobiography and not the state sanctioned fucking biography that gets passed around in schools we can fucking look into the truth and we can see, we can watch king's speeches 
on loop as much as we want. We can look into this information and educate ourselves about the truth, and we can come to these conclusions on our own. And whether or not you read Marx and Lenin and whatever, you can decide for yourself what you believe to be right. And I think at the end of the day, for most moral people in this world, for people who are not centered on their own ideologies and the betterment of themselves over everyone else, for most people who have a fucking empathetic bone in their body, this is the way. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Thanks for giving it, Haley. And I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, we talk about it like it's something that could never happen in America, but motherfucker, it did. Yeah. And it got fucking squished. But that's because we put too much fucking faith in people. In not people, but individuals. That's the, the error of our, our Eurocentric vision, in my opinion, that we believe that, like, we need some great man of history to come strolling along and lead the way. And we don't not how it works. No, we don't need to wait for another king. We are all another king. Yeah. All of us. These are all normal, ordinary men, right? Motherfucker Fred Hampton went to community college. You, yeah, I fucking, right? Like, I fucking guarantee, fucking part. Like, I fucking guarantee you know, like, six motherfuckers who've been to community fucking college. Just like some wonder, fucking guy. <laughs> and he's just a dude. He's just a fucking guy. He's just some fucking guy. He's not a fucking genius. He was just somebody who had the fucking nerve to go educate Yo, himself and fucking talk to people. He could speak. Yeah. He could fucking speak. I'm sorry, but, like, you know, he may have been, like, you know, just you know, John Everyman or whatever, but, like, he yeah. could... Fu- uh, if you haven't yet, go on YouTube. Man was talented. Look up Fred Hampton's speech. Fred Hampton's speech. I, I can't talk that fucking good. Honestly, like, that that man could could lead me into the fucking streets and have me marching on fucking Washington, like, tonight! If But, you know. All right, you got a quote? Fucking American. Yeah, actually, I do. I do have is a quote. Is it a Fred Hampton quote? It is actually not. Okay. Uh, I still think that we should do the closing song with, you know, maybe like a Fred Hampton speech or like, you know, that one from the album uh, Let's Get Free by Dead Prez. Check out Dead Prez. Um, so my quote is from John Brown. Ah, motherfucking uh, John Brown. John Brown. John Brown's body was never found. John Brown's body, moldering in the grave. All right, so, and I quote, Whereas slavery throughout its entire existence in the United States is none other than the most barbarous, unprovoked, and unjustifiable war of one portion of its citizens against another portion, the only conditions of which are perpetual imprisonment and hopeless servitude or absolute extermination, in utter 
disregard and violation of those eternal and self-evident truths set forth in our Declaration of Independence. Therefore, we citizens of the United States and the oppressed people who, by a recent decision of the Supreme Court, are declared to have no rights, which the white man is bound to respect, together with all other people degraded by the laws thereof, do, for the time being, ordain and establish for ourselves the following provisional constitution and ordinances, the better to protect our persons, property, lives, and liberties, and to govern our actions. Fuck yeah. You should definitely check out the provisional constitution and ordinances for the people of the United States. 1858. Motherfucking John Brown. Motherfucking John Brown. Dude's realist a, of the real. Dude's out there kissing black babies in fucking 1859. Nah, he out there like fucking, fucking, take, what, what, tar, Harper's fucking ferry. Jesus Christ. Okay. Alright, we'll do Go. an episode on him. <laughs> Nah, it's it's not gonna be as good. It's not. It's not. I no, like they, they did it so. My my buddies out in Colorado. They did it so good. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, that does it for Comradical this week, y'all. Uh, sorry about the late upload, but thanks for bearing with us. And uh, we will see you in two weeks when we're gonna be talking about Chaboy. What? Chaboy. What? You know him. What? The man. What? The myth. What? The legend. Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at ComRadicalPod. Please tweet at us there if you have any thoughts about the show, things that we might you want might want us to, to cover. Uh, and if you have it in you, can you go to iTunes and leave us a review there? It really helps us out getting the word out, uh, to spread the revolution. So, uh, please do your part and remember to support the other shows on the network. And with that, seize the means. Stay comradical. They do right? They do wrong? You have the emergence in human society of this thing that's called the state. What is the state? The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state is here. Well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what... You'd be going to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. Only at that juncture in human society, where it is split between those who have and those who ain't got. I throw a Molotov cocktail at the precinct. You know how we think. Organize the hood under the I banners. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.